over the next couple of three weeks, we're going we're gonna to look at kind of a mini-series. It's, not gonna, it's just going to be three weeks. But we're going to talk about signs of a willing heart. You know, when you start looking at and realizing who you are apart from Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done and what He's given us, I shouldn't even have to preach on this, but we all should have a willing heart. And we're going to talk about this. Uh, it was, I, was, I was reading a passage in the Old Testament. And you, it, it happens a couple of times. Uh, I, I don't have the passage written down, but it, it happened when they built the tabernacle. It happened again when they built the temple. But, but God said, he told Moses, he said, just tell the people what you need. Let them know. And I'll move. And God did, and the Scripture says that He gave them a willing heart. And out of that willing heart, it wasn't required that they give this or that. They just gave, and they kept giving until finally they had to say, we've got enough, don't give anymore. They had a willing heart. And when, when a person has a willing heart, I mean, things change. Listen, I'm not talking about money this morning. I'm not necessarily talking about time. I'm talking, and we're going to talk about it, but I'm, I'm talking about giving yourself. And that's where it starts with. The, the, really, the, the title this morning of this sermon is The Gift of Self. Uh, I want to lay a little groundwork because I want you to understand some things. God is a sovereign God. Amen? He's a sovereign. He is, he, that means that everything is under His rule and His control, and nothing happens without His direction or without His permission. Now, that doesn't mean that God causes everything, okay? I want you to understand that. There are things that happen that are not God's fault. They were not a part of His plan, but yet He allows it. Because he set a plan in motion. And as long as you follow the plan, things turn out like they're supposed to. But we all know our ancestors, the first ones, decided they would go right or left when God said go right. And so there was another plan that God unleashed. Yet God is still in charge. And God still moves, and He, he still works. God, causes every, God doesn't cause everything, he, he, and, and nor does it mean we don't have a choice in what happens. Sovereignty does not mean that we do not have a choice. You see, sovereignty, the sovereignty of God and the choice of man work together to bring about God's purposes and His plans. Now, if you're on the Calvinist side of that, you're, you've already turned me off. And if you're on the Armenian side of that, you've already turned me off. And if you don't know what those two things mean, praise God, it's going to be a good day, okay? There are those on this side that say everything's our choice and da-da-da-da-da. And there are the, those on this choice that say, you know what, God's got a plan. It's going to happen regardless, And you know what? God does have a plan. It is going to happen regardless. But our choices do play a part in how that plan works out, especially in our life and in the lives of those around us. Folks, we are not puppets on a string. God's not the puppet master doing all of this kind of stuff. We have the privilege and we have the responsibility of making wise 
choices. Okay? God's sovereignty and our choices work together. And they bring about the will of God. And ultimately, they bring about the purpose of God. Now, I want you to hear this. God doesn't force anyone to do anything against their will. Okay. He doesn't. He doesn't force anyone to do anything against their will. If he did that, he would have put a fence 50 feet tall around the tree in the garden, and Adam couldn't have climbed it, dug under it. He couldn't have gotten to it. God would have forced him to stay the way he created him. But God didn't do that. And folks, God doesn't do that today. He doesn't force us to do things against our will. A relationship with God is a partnership with God in which both parties are responsible for certain actions. We're in a partnership. If you know Christ this morning, you are in a partnership. God has certain responsibilities. We have certain responsibilities. If you want to use biblical language and and what most of us have grown up using, you can call it a covenant. Okay? We have a covenant, and God has a covenant with us. Not a contract, but a covenant. It's a partnership where there are certain responsibilities that are carried out by the two parties. Now, God saves us. He provides everything that we need for life and for godliness. And then He transforms us into the image of of Christ as a result of His unconditional grace and his, His unconditional love and His grace. Now, that's His job. None of us can do His job. Okay, and I'm just throw this in there as a caveat. That's why we can't lose our salvation. Okay, and that's why we can't get saved when we want to. Salvation is a gift from God that's received. It's, 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 it's opened and enjoyed. But on the other hand, we have a job. We have a part in that part, partnership. We have a responsibility. And our job is to love God and to obey God. That's it. There may be some other things, but but we're to love God and we're to obey Him and to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit every day in the choices that we make. You see, He's even given us the ability to do what He calls us to do. And He hasn't given us a thing or an it or a behavior modification program. He's given us Himself, the Holy Spirit. And He lives within us. All we have to do is listen. And follow His voice. Now, you've heard me say this before, but our level of obedience declares the level of our love for Jesus. Okay? If I love Jesus, I will do what Jesus said. That's exactly what He says over and over in the New Testament. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. You'll do what I've taught you. You'll you'll follow the the things that I've set out to to keep you safe and, and to provide for you. Now, here's the sad thing. And and for many, many, many years, this is the place that I walked in. Many Christians, in fact, I would dare say most Christians, obey because they feel like they have to. Let me say that again. Most Christians obey God because they have to. Now, I want you to just think about that for a minute. That mindset that I'm talking about is, you know what? I have to. If I don't obey God, He won't love me. God won't, won't you know, He won't take care of me or, or I'll end up in hell. 
Folks, that's not the relationship that God wants to have with us. That's the relationship of a slave with a, with a taskmaster rather than a, a relationship of an intimate friendship. Most people like that, and you say, well, that's not how you know they're this way because I used to be this way. They're fearful all the time. I'm going to mess up. Oh my gosh, God's going to get me. God's going to get me. I, I, I'm fearful. They're angry. They're frustrated. Have you tried to do something right and no matter how hard you tried to do it right, you did it wrong? Any of you ever been there? You know what it does? It frustrates you. And after a while, you get, or while, I'm not sure which is right, but while, I'm just going to say while, I'm tired. After a while, okay, you just get angry. And you know what happens when you get angry? You don't care. Amen? You don't care. So we get fearful. We get angry. We get frustrated. We get terrified. Oh, my God, I've messed up. God's going to get me. We, we get resentful. We begin to doubt that God's good and that, that what Scripture says about God is true. And we're confused. And you know what happens? All of those emotions and, and feelings happen at the same time. And we live in a, a cloud of confusion. And we make no impact on the kingdom of darkness because we're self Absorbed in this cloud of, I've got to please God. I've got to obey. And what happens is we obey God like a slave who obeys his master because he's afraid of the whip. They obey because they have to. I want you to hear me. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, listen to this. That is the absolute lowest level of obedience possible. That's the least level of obedience possible. If you're obeying God that way this morning, you have a very shallow relationship with God. Okay? And I, I, I'm not saying that in a condemning way. I'm saying that in a, in a, in a truthful manner. If that's your relationship, you have, I do this because I have to, then you don't have much of a relationship. If fear and dread is the driving force that causes you to obey God this morning. You hadn't really experienced fully the grace of Jesus Christ. You may have experienced it a little, but you hadn't, you hadn't entered into it. You're not walking in the freedom that sets you free, the truth that sets you free. Listen, obedience this morning is not a checklist to placate an angry, wrathful God. Here's a, here's a news flash. God's not angry at you. You say, but you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. You don't know where I've been. No, I don't. But you know what? He's not angry at you. You say, well, how can he not be angry at me? Because he poured out his wrath, his anger. Folks, God wasn't just angry. God was seething with wrath against sin. And he poured out his wrath on his son Jesus Christ on the cross. Every drop of it. Jesus paid the price for it all. Past, present, and future. Okay? Amen? Okay, oh me? I mean, he's paid for the sin debt. Jesus satisfied that wrath. And he satisfied that anger. 
God's not mad at us. God loves us. And as, as followers of Jesus this morning, we obey not because we have to, because we get to, because we want to, because we love Jesus. We obey out of relationship, okay? There, there's a difference. We obey, let me put it this way, out of a willing heart. A willing heart. Listen, if you obey against your will, all your obedience is is masked rebellion. Most of you have heard this little story, but I'm going to tell it again anyway because it's a great illustration. Most of you remember the, the story about the mom and her, and her little boy, Billy, and they were pushing through the Walmart. I, I just chose that. I don't, you know, I'm not. It was just a good name. And there wasn't a Billy before, you know, so. But anyway, mom was pushing Billy around Walmart in a shopping cart. Most of you have done that. Little Billy's about three or four years old, and he just pops up every chance he gets. And she says, sit down. I mean, you've seen little Billy at Walmart. You've seen the mama at Walmart. Sit down. He sits down. Pops back up. Sit down, Billy. Sits down. Pops back up. It's just, it's just like a, a jack-in-a-box. Finally, she stops and she says, if you stand up one more time, I'm going to whip you. I'm going to tear you up. And little Billy looks at her and he sits down immediately. But he says something. He speaks his little mind. He says, okay, you know what? I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. And folks, that's what masked rebellion is. That's what obeying God out of fear and, 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 and anger and resentment is. It's not obeying with a willing heart. Billy's obedience was rebellion. So how do we tell the difference in our lives? How can I evaluate my own obedience to God? Where, where am I in my relationship with God? Do I have a willing heart? Well, over the next three Sundays, each Sunday, we're going to look at a sign, a sure sign of a person with a willing heart. True love is, is determined not by what it gets, but by what it gives. Okay? If you don't believe that, just read the New Testament. For God so loved the world that He got all He could, that He gave. That He gave. That He gave. A willing heart is a certain characteristic of a heart in love with God. Okay? If you love God, you've got a willing heart. We obey God because we get to. Because we love Him, not because we have to. And I want to give you a definition this morning of a willing heart. It's, I wish I could get it into one sentence, but I can't. But it's pretty simple. It's, it's a heart that freely desires to go above and beyond what is required. How many of you, I don't want you to raise your hand. But if we were raising hands, I would raise my hand. How many of you have ever been in a situation, maybe a job, or when you were in school, that you did the absolute minimum that you could to get by? You did exactly the letter of the law. Most of us have done that. Most of us have done that. We didn't do it with a willing heart. See, a willing heart desires to go above and beyond. It's a, it's a heart that longs to bring pleasure pleasure to God. It's a heart that understands 
thirsts and hungers to give God not just the good, not just the better, but the best. See, there, there's nothing wrong with the good, there's nothing wrong with the better, but what God deserves is the best. It's a heart that longs to be with God. There's a, there's a passage, I think, in the, in the book of Psalms, and, and you'll be familiar with this psalm. It's in Psalms 42, and I'm just going to read the first verse. But this kind of draws a picture for me. It uses words that, uh, that, that I can understand. It says, as the deer pants for water. As a, as a deer, that word pant means to long for. That, that deer is so thirsty that it's, it's literally panting. As the deer pants for the water of brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And, and then the translators translate it this way. When shall I come and appear before God? That's, that's not what the Hebrew really says. It, the Hebrew really says, when shall I come and see the face of God? When can I be in your presence, God? When can I see you face to face? Now, folks, that is passionate desperation. That, 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 that's desire. That's hunger. That, that's, long, that's the longing of not a person who has to. But the desperation of somebody who wants to. It's always out of desperation. Out of the realization that we can't get what we hunger for without giving ourselves. Don't you let that settle in. This is something you can't get unless you give all of who you are. You have to surrender. A willing heart gives the ultimate gift of self. And by that I mean who we are what we are, everything about us, we give ourselves to God. If I don't surrender self, I don't have a willing heart. Now, I can put on a a facade with a smile, and I can help here, and I can do a little here and over there, but I may not do it with a willing heart. Jesus, I find it interesting on the cross that Jesus, instead of Dying, I mean, instead of sending an angel to save us on the cross, He died for us. He died for us, folks. He didn't send an angel to do it. He did it Himself. He gave Himself and He did it with a willing heart. Listen to this passage in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8. It says, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. And being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Do you see that? Jesus didn't just give a little bit of who he was, he gave everything that he was. Folks, he was God who had existed for eternity with no beginning and no end in the glory of heaven. I mean, he was surrounded by angels. He, I mean, I can't even 
conceive what it was. And He becomes me. With the limitations that I have and that you have. You know what? There were days when He was tired. There were days when He was hungry and thirsty and hot and cold. All of those things. And, and he gives all of himself. And he, he, he lays his body out on that cross. And he allows them to nail him to it. And he hangs before the world. Humiliated. Crucifixion was the most humiliating, painful way a person could die. And he does. He gives all of it. Folks, he obeys God. Why? Because he's got a willing heart. And he understands that the only way to show that willing heart outwardly is to give himself. So we have a model to follow. That's not the issue, is it? We know who the model is. Our issue is that following that model is a struggle for us. Amen? Let's just be honest. The hardest thing that a person gives is themselves. Okay? We like to be partway in. Big toe in the water. The rest of it, if something happens, I'm out of there. Okay? That's, that's kind of how we live life. We, we test things out. And that's okay in certain things. But it's not in your relationship to God. You can't just test the water. You're either in or you're out. There's no... Halfway place, okay? There's no place that equates to purgatory on this side, okay? You're either in or you're out. But most people want to take... Well, let me put it this way. Most people struggle with giving all that they are to Christ. And that gets translated into the body of Christ, I'll give you a little here. I'll, you know, when the plate comes by, I'll put some money in the offering. But as far as the other stuff, you know, I'm just, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to do that. Or vice versa. You know what? I'll be there when you do this, but I don't know if I'm going to give. I don't know if I'm going to get involved in it. I don't know if I'm going to be a part of that. And so what most people do is, is the last thing they're going to give is themselves. The last thing they are going to commit is all of who they are. But a willing heart begins by giving self. It surrenders everything. Everything that person is or ever hopes to be. To reach genuine obedience, folks, we have to give ourselves first. I have to surrender to God and say, okay, God, it's not my way. It's your way. Now, most of us live the other way. It's my way, God, or the highway. I'm going to do it like I want to do it, or I'm out of here. You know what? That just doesn't work with God. Folks, I don't know whether you realize this or not, but God needs nothing. He's self-existent, which means everything that He needs is contained in who He is. But He desires us. Let me put it in another, another way. He wants us. He wants you first. He doesn't want what you can do for Him. He didn't want what you can give Him. 
Folks, He wants you. He wants your heart. All of your heart. Not just a part of it. See, our, our heart doesn't come in compartments. He either has all of me or He really has none of me. That's reality. When I try to give God something in my own life, whenever I try to give Him something other than myself first, very often the Holy Spirit will remind me of, of this, this verse that the prophet Samuel said first when he rebuked King Saul. It's found in, in 1 Samuel 15, 22. He's, Samuel, God had told Saul through Samuel to do certain things. And, and Saul just had a behavior problem. He couldn't follow the rule. He couldn't follow orders. He couldn't do what he was supposed to do. Plus, he would always make excuses. Well, the people. Well, you know, you didn't show up. Blah, 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 blah. Finally, God had had enough. And this is what God said through Samuel. He says, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Now, we, we read that and we don't really translate it into today's language. But in other words, has the Lord as much delight in what you can do for Him? How much you can put in the offering? How you can serve Him? As He does to obeying His voice. Listen, that's a haunting question if you grew up in the same system I grew up in which was a system of an attempt to please God and, and to make Him happy. Listen to the last part of it, though. It says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed, that's a, that's a good King James way of saying to listen, is better than the fat of rams. Let me, let me translate that in just simple terms. God wants all of you. He wants all of me. Not just what I can do for Him. Not just where I am or, or what I'm doing. But He wants me and He wants you. He doesn't want our empty attempts to fulfill just enough to get by. Folks, He wants our heart. Not just the works of our hands. See, we're, we'll give the works of our hands, but we'll withhold our heart. When you give your heart, your hands, your feet, everything else, your billfold, everything else will follow. King Saul was a lot like little Billy. I hear what you're saying, God, but I'm going to do it my way. Folks, that's just rebellion, wearing a mask. I just... Remind you, God needs nothing, but He desires you. Listen to me, relationship can't be forced, and neither can obedience. You say, yes, you can. That's how we train our child, children. Yes, we do. Okay, we, we do. But over a period of time, if you train your children up right, they realize that, you know what, when I obey mom, when I obey dad, they like it. It pleases them. And there's a, there's a transition in there somewhere. You know what? I want to please mom and dad because I love them. Because I know they love me. Not because I have to. Listen, rules without relationship always end in rebellion. Read Scripture. Study the life of the Jews. 
Okay? They had the rules. God had given them a set of rules. But he gave it to them so that it would enhance their relationship. But they didn't have the relationship. So what happened? Over and over and over, they rebelled. They went left when God said go right. They went right when God said go left. They were in rebellion. Forced obedience produces slaves, folks. It doesn't produce sons and daughters. It produces slaves who eventually revolt, who eventually walk away, or who come but are not apart. They're there. They look like they're apart, but in here they're not. And listen, you you will never achieve God's purpose or His plan for your life until you give all of you. The Apostle Paul paints a, a very vivid picture. And, and I'm a picture person, okay? I, I can, when I see something, I got it, okay? The, some people are, are audio. They hear it, they got it. I'm a visual person. And, and this is a visual picture to me. In, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says this, Therefore, brethren, I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable. In other words, well-pleasing to God. I want you to see the picture there. That, 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 that's self, okay? When he, when he uses that word body, he's talking about all that you are. Folks, we are a, a soul housed in a body, energized by a spirit that's connected to the Holy Spirit. We're just not fingers and hands and, 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 and circulatory system and digestive system. We're, we're a soul housed by a body connected to the Spirit of God by our own spirit. And, and if, if you can just see the image of that, in the Old Testament, they would, they would take that lamb and they would lay that lamb up on that, on that altar. And listen, no lamb they ever laid up there crawled off. Okay? No bull they ever placed on the altar crawled off. That's what Paul's talking about here. You're to crawl up on that altar, but you know what? There's not a priest that's going to put you up there. You crawl up there yourself. You give who you are completely to God. That's the picture that he's painting here. That's that's a willing heart. That's a willing heart that's given the gift of themselves. You remember our definition of a willing heart? It's a heart that wants to. Not a heart that must be forced to. It's a heart that that wants to. It's a heart that's that's willing to give itself first. Now, I want to make some application for us as individuals and for us as a church. Okay? Because I am convinced that the knowledge of doctrine and theology is useless unless we personally apply it to our lives. Okay? I can have a head full of theology and a head full of doctrine and not live right. But if I take what, I, what I've studied, what the Scriptures teach, and I apply it, like things change. So we want to apply this personally, and then we want to uh, apply it maybe corporately a little bit. God wants all of you. He wants all of me. He doesn't, he doesn't want just a portion. He doesn't want a bit here and there. He wants all of us right now, okay? But God will not take what you are unwilling to give. So you have to make that choice. You can have as much of God as you want right now. 
I want you to think about that. You can have as much of God as you want right now. Or maybe another way to look at it from a different angle is this. You have as much of God as you want right now. Now that's... That's kind of like getting slapped in the face sometimes. I mentioned a few minutes ago, I'm sort of a a visual person, so pictures help me. But what I'm talking about here is stepping off the edge of a cliff into the hands of God. You know what? When you step off a cliff, I I can do this all day long, okay? But when I put my other foot out there, guess what's going to happen? Well, Brother Nelson, you're going to float in the air. Not hardly. <laughs> I'm going to end up right down here. Okay? So in an act of faith, when I, when I have a willing heart and I give myself, I step off the edge of, of that cliff, which is me, and I step into God's hand. He becomes responsible for me. He takes care of me. Now, some of you may be thinking, you know what, I'm not sure I want to do that. Okay? Well, how's that working for you? How's things going? Well, I got this and that. Okay. So what could it hurt? Well, I don't know what's going to happen. I got another secret for you. You don't know what's going to happen the next breath if you take care of yourself, okay? But it probably won't be good. Listen, God is looking for some men and some women, some boys and girls who are all in. He can change the world with one person who's all in. You say, how how do you know that? He did that with Jesus. He did that with, with, with 11 or 12 apostles that were fishermen and tax collectors and, and, and terrorists. They were all in. He turned the world upside down with them. He did it with, with Abraham and, and Noah and Moses and Joshua and Deborah and Samuel and David and Esther. All of those people were all in. And God used them. All in is nothing more than giving all that you are to all that God is. So that all that He is can be manifested through you. Let me say that again. It's giving all that you are to all that God is so that all that He is can be manifested through you. But folks, it has to happen on an individual basis. You have to do it for yourself. Now, you have to do it before it can become a corporate reality and be applied here at Eagle's Wing. So the, the emphasis right this, now at this moment is on what are you going to do? But you know what? If, if a group of us do that, oh my goodness, what God could do with us. Now, I want to apply it corporately a little bit. We're about to step into a higher realm of responsibility and a higher realm of privileges as we make the move into a community, okay? That's just reality. We're already, folks are asking questions, they're driving by wondering what's going on. So, so we've, we're, we're kind of moving from obscurity into a little light. People are interested in what's going on. And the last thing we need to do is to infect another community with another church filled with half-hearted Christians. Okay? Or export the idea that a relationship with God is about an hour on Sunday morning. Because it's not. 
It's not. If that's all we have, folks, we don't have anything that will make a difference. We're about to step from from relative anonymity uh, into the glare of a bright spotlight. And our walk and our talk is going to be scrutinized with a microscope, okay? You can put a place of refuge, restoration, and relationship on a sign. And excuse my English, but it doesn't mean diddly squat. Unless there are people who are living that out. Unless someone who's hurting finds that, okay? Doesn't matter if it's in lights, doesn't matter if it's in red letters or or black letters. It it means nothing if we don't live it out. Our walk and our talks will be scrutinized. Folks, real people are looking for a real Jesus, okay? And those real people know if we really know the real Jesus or not, based on our heart, okay? Not our words. We don't need another facsimile Jesus, a fake Jesus, a counterfeit Jesus. Listen, he's being worshipped all over the place. But he's not the real Jesus. And if we don't have any more than that, if all we are is half-hearted, half-committed, and half-whatever, then you know what? We're going to fail. We'll just be another church in another community that did like... fireworks. We're going to be a fireworks church. You know what a firework does? You light the fuse. It shoots off. It makes a big bang. And then what does it do? Fizzles away. That's it. If you like fireworks, I'm sorry, but here's what I've come to as an adult. That's the biggest waste of money. You can spend all the money you want on fireworks, and then I don't care how many you, you buy, when you light it, it's done. There's nothing else left. And folks, we don't need to be a fireworks church. Every person who's, who's a part of this church is about to be asked to do some things that, that, you know what, they're out of our comfort zone. Listen, I've been out of my comfort zone for about four weeks, okay, maybe longer. When, I, when we planted this church, I was so far away from my comfort zone that all I did was go, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, my prayers for six months. That's basically what it is. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, what if, what if, what if, what if. And I've shared this before, but God spoke to me just as clearly as, 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 as I could hear somebody's voice. He says, do you trust me? And I talked and talked and talked, and he didn't say anything else. And I realized, yes, I do, or no, I don't. And the way I live will answer that question, not the words of my mouth. And folks, he's taking me out of my comfort zone again. And he's going to take all of us out of our comfort zones. There's going to be opportunities that abound. And, and a handful of us can't meet the needs, folks. We can't serve. We can't do what it's going to take all of us. You say, well, I can't do everything. You don't have to do everything. You just need to do what you can do. And you need to do it with a willing heart. And whether or not that happens will depend on whether you have a willing heart or not. For most of us, we're going to have to realize that church is not something we do. But it's something that we are a part of. It's like a body. That's what Jesus, that's what Paul calls it, a body. And, and, and it's something we get to be a part of. It means 
serving sacrificially, not because I have to, but because I want to, because I get to. I'll never forget, I said this one morning, I have to preach today. And somebody goes, you don't have to, you get to. And boy, that shook me to the core, and I realized, hey, I get to. I get to do that. It's a blessing that I get to do that. Folks, we get to. We get to serve Christ. We get to serve people. We get to introduce people to Jesus. We don't have to. Listen, if, if you don't want to, somebody else will do it. That's the reality. God's not going to make you. But I get to because I love Jesus with all my heart and I love people. It's going to mean that we're not going to get to park in the prime parking places. Okay? There's about a dozen up there that are prime. Really, there's only three or four that are prime. Okay? That's just reality. We're going to have to park a little further away and walk. Amen? It's just, it's just reality. It's going to be good parking places, but you're just not going to be able to park right there, step up on the porch and come in. It's going to be different, okay? It's not going to be like at the school. It's, it's going to be different. It's going to mean that you're going to have to sit closer to one another. You're either going to have to do that or go to overflow and watch a simulcast it to you. I mean, that's, that's the two options you got. So we're going to have to sit closer. It, it may mean that, that, you know, you see somebody that you know has never been in this fellowship, has never been visited, and you say, you know what, they need to take my seat so they can meet Jesus today. Oh, Pastor, you're, you're, you've gone to meddling now. No, I, I'm serious. We're going to have to do things that we're not used to doing, we're not comfortable doing. But if I have a willing heart, it's no big deal. Because I am no longer important. Jesus is. Folks, it means we're going to have to smile. From the time we get out of the car till we get back in the car and get off the property. Okay? I mean, it's just reality. We're going to have to shake hands with people. We, I, and I don't want you to walk around with this plastered thing, but I don't want you coming in there like that. Okay? If you don't want to come, stay home. I'm just being honest, okay? I'm the only one that has to come, okay? And I have to get my attitude right between my house and the church so I get to come, okay? But we're gonna have to we're gonna have to shake hands with people. We're gonna have to greet people. You say, Well, you know what, man, I do that's just not my thing. Well then let the Holy Spirit work in you until it becomes your thing. You don't have to tell your life story, you just have to say, Hello. We're glad to have you. I mean, when you see somebody looking around and, and they have no clue where to go, you may have to give them directions to the restrooms. You may have to give them directions to the children's department. You may have to give them directions to the worship center or to the overflow. Folks, we've got to open our eyes up and see the needs. When you give yourself in love, you give everything with a willing heart. Listen, if you have to have your arm twisted, if I have to chase you down and beg you to do something, and you finally say yes, because you know I won't let you alone until you say yes, you don't need to be doing that. I grew up in churches where 
the nominating committee reigned. We don't have a nominating committee. We have a Holy Spirit. We're not going to have a nominating committee. Because I believe God will take the gifts of his people. And if they have a willing heart, he'll work everything out. So I'm not going to twist arms. I may ask you three or four times, something like that. But if you don't want to do it, don't do it. But listen, if you've got a willing heart, you're willing to do whatever's necessary. I'm willing to do whatever's necessary. A willing heart is a giver. And a person without a willing heart is a taker. And the American church is filled with takers. Okay? They're not young. They're not old. They, they span the generations. You may not like this word, but a taker is a life sucker. Okay? Let me, a life sucker takes and takes and takes, but they are never satisfied. They, that's because we were made to give. We weren't made just to take. We were made to give. And when, when you take, 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 you're swimming against the flow of life. You're swimming against the, the divine design of God. I want this. I want this program. I want this kind of music. I want this kind of preaching. Impress me with your teaching and your preaching. And if I like it, I'll stay. I, 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 I want. Folks, I'm not going to be a part of a church that's, that's, that's made up of I, I, I want. Because when a person has a willing heart, they lay down their life to Jesus. And it becomes not what I want, but what Jesus wants. Okay? Do I have preferences when it comes to music? Yeah. But you know what? This music not about me. Do I have preferences about whether, whether I sit there or there or what the temperature is? Yeah. But you know what? I grew up in church that had no air conditioning. Until I was 18 years old, the only air conditioning I got was at school. In fact, till I was 20 years old and got married and bought one myself. So I know what it's like to sweat, okay? I, I know we're used to that, and we're going to have air conditioning that's better than what we got here. But I'm just saying, if that's the stuff that keeps me from, from exhibiting a willing heart, then my problem's not the air conditioner. My problem's my heart, and it's my relationship. It's, a, it's the fact is... I'm a taker. You see, takers take and givers give. Jesus was and Jesus is and Jesus will always be a giver. Okay? Satan, on the other hand, is a taker. What does Scripture say about Satan? It says that, that he attempts to kill, steal, and destroy. All of those things take. And corporately, we have to decide, and I really wish we'd do it today, what kind of church we are going to be. If it's a taker church, then listen, here's what's going to happen. We will eventually cannibalize one another by sucking the life out of us. And all there will be is shells. Okay? I have an illustration in my head, but I'm going to leave it there and go on. It has to do with crawfish. Okay? Enough said. So it all hinges, folks, on whether or not, as an individual, we're going to give... Jesus, the gift of self. In other words, the gift of our whole heart. All that we are. Listen, this morning, I'm done. Are you willing to take a step off that cliff? 
Listen, it's, it's not a step into the unknown. It's a step of faith into God. Are you willing to get all in? Well, you know, listen, I, don't, I don't know if y'all are going to make it or not. Listen, we're four years old. We may die tomorrow. But there, every other church in this area may die tomorrow. Okay? Well, I don't know. Y'all, y'all don't have a building. That's not an excuse anymore. We don't have a building. We're fixing to have a building. He said, we've all been in a storefront in a school. Well, we're fixing to be in a church, church building, okay, if that matters. And you say, well, that doesn't matter to us. It matters to lots of people, though, okay? Are you willing to get all in? So you have to believe in the, in the, in the, in the vision, and you have to believe in the purpose, and you have to believe in the Savior. Don't believe in me, okay? Believe in Jesus. And if you're all in with Jesus, you know what? He'll take care of us. He'll take care of you. What's God asking you to do today? I can tell you what He's asking you to do. He's asking you to commit yourself completely to Him. Are you willing to do that with a willing heart? Folks, the first sign of a willing heart is a person that's willing to give all that they are to God. That's it. God, you can have me. All of me. Whatever you call me to do, I'll do. Wherever you send me, I'll go. Everything that I have belongs to you. Use it like you want. I love you. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.